Impossible True Stories from Beyond the Imagination A podcast from the book Coma and Near-Death Experience The Beautiful, Disturbing and Dangerous World of the Unconscious Your host is Barry Mayer This is Isabel's story the account from deep inside coma from a medical professional in Cape Town, South Africa. Isabel spent two months in a medically induced coma when she contracted COVID-19. Within the depths of deep sedation, she experienced a never-ending cycle of alternate lives. All utterly horrific. But the doctors that were treating her, her actual work colleagues, found themselves baffled by her experience. They're not alone. Most doctors will tell you, if Isabel claims to remember anything, these are just false memories. The coma experience should be an utter blank. But for so many, it's not. Most doctors also believe that they are truly doing the best for the patient, sparing them the trauma of intensive care and giving them the chance of a deeper, restorative sleep. What they don't know is that they are causing far more harm than good. Isabel is just one account from the book Coma and Near-Death Experience, the beautiful, disturbing and dangerous world of the unconscious. Be warned, some listeners may find what follows deeply disturbing. I was six months pregnant when I got COVID-19 on Christmas Day 2019. I went into labor prematurely and the baby got COVID and died. As soon as my baby was born, my stats dropped and I was rushed to intensive care where I was put into a coma and my reality changed. I woke up in an organ harvesting facility. They'd found a way to kill me and regrow my organs over and over again. And that went on for four years and I was kept in a coffin. All of my organs were harvested over and over again. And each time that I was murdered, I woke up in a different life. Then I die again, wake up, have another life, die again, and wake up. Each time I was murdered, I was raped. In one life, I woke up in the Arizona deserts, and I was being raped by a serial killer in front of my bosses at the hospital, and he murdered me. In another life, they wanted to remove my uterus. And so they did lots of gynecological procedures. About seven. In another life, I was fighting apartheid in Simonstown. I was murdered on a train track because I was trying to protect someone. I had another reality where I spent 100,000 years on the top and bottom levels of existence. On the upper levels, it was all ones and zeros. And on the bottom, it was sediment and different layers of life through the years. I switched between the two. You know, people think that these are just dreams, but I remember them as memories. I can give all kinds of details. These are clear memories. And I mean, they were just countless, these lives. And in every reality, I was paralyzed. In another one, I thought this awful kidnapper had melted the top of a toothbrush and inserted razor blades to cut deep into my teeth. In reality, I guess the nurses were cleaning my teeth, but they didn't realize what I was experiencing. 
they weren't trained to understand. When they did the tracheotomy, I thought that a nurse was sticking an apple core into my throat and chaining me through my neck to the bed. When my nasal feeding tube was being put in, I thought they were cutting my nose off to disfigure me so I wouldn't try and escape. Apparently, I did die four times, and each time I was resuscitated. But for me, death was a beautiful experience. I was in a big green field, and the grass was blowing in the wind. Long, lush grass. There was a horse. And I carried on walking, and there was a big lake with beautiful trees hanging over it. And there were wooden, gnarly, knobbled steps up into the sky. And I knew that at the bottom was life and at the top was death. And I started walking up those stairs. At first, I'd been fighting to live, but I'd suffered so much in that coma that I chose to die. And I walked up those stairs and I was four steps from the top. It was like the night without stars. Pure, expansive, and just calm. And that was the happiest I've ever been in my entire life. And I was four steps from the top when I heard my name being called. Isabel, you can't leave. You have to come back. I was so pissed off. I turned around and stomped back down the stairs. Afterwards, when I was recuperating, I went back to our intensive care unit and I tried to tell my colleagues about my experience inside coma and everyone was just like oh that's weird oh really and when I saw my surgeons and my anesthetist no one could understand what I was talking about if someone came now to put me in a coma I'd be like get away from me I would sooner die than let that happen again coma you know is so dramatic so barbaric that it's happening at all I think one day we're going to look back and be horrified that was Isabel's story, read to us by Danny Painter, and just one of many accounts from the book Coma and Near-Death Experience. Alan Pierce is co-author of the book. Alan, most people listening will have no concept of coma. What's going on then? Coma is massively misunderstood. For the last 50 years, it's been standard medical procedure. And um, in COVID, it just got so much worse because people were just overwhelmed and they felt the best thing they could do was really to make the patient as manageable as possible. But prior to that, people have been waking up to just how dangerous comas were. And suddenly, everything's just been turned back on its head again, and we're back to really old bad practices, and coma is really standard. The story we just heard was horrific and really genuinely horrific, but not all of them are. And you've heard stories that are on the complete opposite end of that spectrum, haven't you? I really have. And this is the remarkable thing. That there's no way of telling how anybody's going to react to deep sedation. It could be that some people who are just kind of bubbling below the surface get more horrific nightmares, nightmare-like events, that the events within the hospital itself weave themselves into, into their kind of consciousness and, and they misinterpret events such as Isabel did with you know the medical procedures, um, thinking it as being torture, like having her teeth cleaned. That happens, I think, when people are not so deep, when they go very, very deep. And let's put, make this clear. If you are in a coma, you are near death. 
So it figures that a lot of people within coma may well be experiencing the classic near-death experience. And this often happens when people are really close to death door. We heard with Isabel that she, she technically died four times and that she was brought round each time. And towards the end of her story, we, we, we see that really she is on the edge is on the threshold of this life and the next. And that's very, very classic of people who are about to pass over from this life to the next and then somehow come back and can tell the tale. You know, later in the series, we'll be hearing other stories which are so beautiful. They just defy belief in the way that Isabel's story defies belief in terms of sheer horror. What are you hoping to achieve with your book and the subsequent podcast and all the material you're putting out within this subject matter? I know that you are quite dedicated to a certain goal here. Coma care, if you want to call it that, is totally misunderstood and it's totally misapplied. Uh, quite honestly, I think in the future, people are going to look back, uh, as Isabel says in the story just now, look back and be horrified. I think some say 50 years in the future, someone may be in a secondhand bookstore and find my book and think, oh my gosh, people actually did that back then. That is so primitive. I want to bring about that change. Um, you know, we've done so much research into this. It may be standard practice, but we cannot find one single medical paper, scientific document, anything that advocates deep sedation prolonged in ICU, not one. We can find plenty of other cases where people are saying, don't do it, it is exceptionally dangerous. And we wanna bring about that change. We also, for the sake of the people who have survived comas, want to show that they're not alone. And when you experience something like Isabel did, it's as real as, as the life that we're living right now. And mostly they think they've gone mad. And one aim of the book is to show people that they have not. They are not insane. Are you open to survivors of coma getting in touch with you and sharing their stories with you? Oh, 100%. I think it's in, people are finding it therapeutic to talk about their stories. The medical world doesn't want to hear. They just sort of shut them down and tell them they're delusional, that they've hallucinated, they've got false memories. The families don't get it because, quite honestly, they tend to look okay, more or less they behave okay. And the minute they start to talk about alternate lives, such as, such as Isabel's, they shut down. People don't want to know. People don't want to hear. Well, quite honestly, we really do want to hear these stories, and we want people to help share them. Coma and near-death experience. The beautiful, disturbing, and dangerous world of the unconscious. Available to buy now.